0: Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, JonesWalker.com. And by 3-Roll Estate Craft Rum Distillery, crafting premium rum from their own Louisiana sugarcane, 3-Roll is cane to glass.
1: From Tula Tacos and Amigos in downtown Lafayette, we're out to lunch with Christian Mader, publisher and editor of The Current. It's business Acadiana style.
2: Welcome to Out to Lunch. I'm Christian Mader. Just because we're 1,800 miles away from the other L.A. doesn't mean you can't have a career in Hollywood. State incentives have lured productions to Louisiana over the last decade or so, and that's given a lot of local talent and opportunity to work in the industry without making the leap of faith in Los Angeles. You've probably heard of some big budget films and TV shows shot in Louisiana. I'm thinking of Morgan Freeman's sightings in Black and Coliseum's cameo in the Secretariat biopic a few years ago. Uh, Hollywood's venture eastward has given expat talent a reason to come home without giving up their day jobs. You might know my guest uh, from appearances in True Detective, Cedric the Entertainer, and she's uh, a writer and host of My Amazing Cheap Date New Orleans. Amy Brassett McKeon is an actor and writer born and raised in Lake Charles, and she specializes in voice acting and is known for really disappearing into her character. She does a lot of voiceover work, and you've heard her characters on Duck Dodgers in the computer game EverQuest. Uh, Amy Brassett McKeon, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you so much. Uh, Movie magic is one thing. How about something a little more up close and personal? Stand-up comedy is a tough game to crack into, so it helps to have a solid hook like a Jedi mind trick my guest flip orley is a comic and a hypnotist flip got interested in hypnotism at an early age later honing his techniques with some psychology courses at the university of arizona uh, since then he's made a career billing himself as america's premier comic hypnotist he also develops audio downloads for the clinical applications of hypnotism you can get tapes of hip a flip coaching you through stress management weight control and working on your poker game flip tours nationally but lives right here in lafayette flip orley welcome to out to lunch
3: thanks for having me yeah
2: Amy, so you grew up in Louisiana. You make your sojourn to Lake Charles. You come back here about the time where we're actually starting to see this industry sort of begin locally. So I'm curious, like, when you made your trip over here, were were you pretty confident you'd be able to continue your career, or was that sort of its own sort of leap? You weren't sure if you were leaving it all behind.
1: Oh, yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, It it was a bit of a leap of faith, but I started out, I grew up in Louisiana, I grew up in Lake Charles, and when I was 19, almost 20, I decided to move to L.A. I got started, um, I became interested in acting and in comedy when I did the speech team in high school and loved it, you know, did the competitions every weekend. Just fell in love with, with doing plays that had multiple characters, so I had one that was like 10 minutes, 13 characters, one that was 10 minutes, 24 characters, and I loved that. So. Eventually, uh, I was going to theater school up in uh, Northwestern in Natchitoches, Louisiana. Great theater program. You know, thought, hey, maybe I'd want to do Broadway. And, And it's a great place for a training ground for that. And it was just, it was way out in the boonies. And... And uh, so after one semester there, you know, it's funny. I still have so many friends from that one semester that are all over Chicago, New York, you know, on cruise ships, uh, L.A. um, So it was a really nice, close-knit group of people there in the theater department. But I started doing some improv comedy there with a troupe that was there called The Roustabouts. And I thought that was a blast. And characters were really my strong point. I mean, that's what I... I, I thought, well, maybe I go. To, maybe I should go to Second City. Maybe, you know, what do I want to do? And so, luckily, I was invited to do an improv and sketch troupe in Lake Charles. That was every Wednesday night at D'Agostino's Bistro. It was a bar and grill, and we packed it out. We had so much fun. And I ended up going to theater and, and studying media a little bit more for a couple more years. And then I, I left and I went to LA. So when I went to LA, I went with a modeling portfolio that I had, you know, produced myself here with various photographers and uh, a 20, uh, no, it was a 30, 30 minute tape called One Face, Many People. And it was 24 of my favorite characters that I videoed. And sure. we're talking about 1999. So I shot it on like eight millimeter and then it went to uh half inch and then over to three quarters are you with me now well I'm just like I don't know how old you on, are
2: well uh, old enough but I mean were they shooting on eight millimeter in 1999 I feel like even by then they'd moved move no man to
1: okay. yeah. no and you know what yeah. I think that was the last year at the uh, the media department at McNeese which wow. is where I was going where we were editing with three quarter inch tapes wow. We really were, and we were doing linear editing with two VHS VCRs. So I have such a deep appreciation for technology because I think I'm at that point where I grew up with pagers and payphones yeah. and three-quarter-inch tape that you have to put back down to half-inch master and then go half-inch. So yeah. Anyway,
2: my, my first internship in journalism, I had to edit um, tape for. TV broadcasts here and I, I was shocked at the time because they trained us on web production, right? And this is 2000, 2002 and okay. but we were still editing everything on VHS and so you like, I came in and it's like, I can build websites and they're like, great, edit these two VHS tapes and you're like, okay, well that was not worth a private oh school education. Uh, flip, uh, you know, my appreciation is like kind of the comedy world can be a little like, It's hard to break into. I mean, it depends on where you are, right? Um, But I was also thinking about, like, you know, comedians who have, like, a specific hook, right? Like, doing hypnotism. Like, they might be less inclined to be taken seriously. Did you find it hard for promoters to say, yeah, I get what you want to do and I want to put you on
3: stage? Yeah, it was wildly hard. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> okay, no, I actually made that a short answer to. Some. Sure, that's fine. Yeah. No, no could, actually, I really can stare to at you <laughs> blankly if you want. That's fine. I started doing stand up, and I did that for like three years and really enjoyed it. And I got talked into doing hypnosis by by a roommate. And um, so it was weird because I started getting more work immediately and for, for really good money. Yeah. Uh, but that was locally in Phoenix, Arizona. But then to get on the road, it got really hard because nobody had any idea what I, what I wanted to do. And this is long before hypnosis has been as established as it is now.
2: Yeah. I find that interesting only because I guess my sense was this would be kind of a pretty common uh, act, but, but it really wasn't.
3: Well, it is now, I think, to some degree. Yeah. So luckily, um, I'd met, over the time that I was doing stand-up, I met a lot of comics who had blown through Phoenix. Yeah. And I got to be friends with some of them, and so so things are different now than they used to be. In the day, like Joe Blow, the comic would be working, in, in fact, at the Grin Room in Baton Rouge, which is no longer there. And so so this buddy of mine, the comic, would talk to the owner of the Grin Room, and he goes, you know, I've got this friend who's a hypnotist, and he's a comic. And so the guy would take my, the club owner would take my phone call, and we talk about it, and then he just booked me. Yeah. Now, like nobody picks up their phone. So I mean, thankfully, I got into it years ago. Yeah. Because now you have to send everything through email. You have no idea if they read it, who reads it, if it goes to a spam folder, like you have no idea. So I just, I like the old, I like analog better than digital. Just saying, man.
2: <laughs> it's it, it just sounds better, right? You can well, you know, your, whether you're talking
3: about videotape versus digital, that's sure. where you're talking albums. You no, know, I like, I, you know what? I'm a dinosaur and I'm comfortable in my skin. Yeah. I like when you could pick up the phone and call a club owner and explain what you did. Yeah. And then they go, that sounds like fun. Let's give it a shot.
2: Yeah. I mean, Amy, so you do a lot of, voice acting and I've heard in the past that the voice acting world is kind of insular like that,
1: that it can be difficult to break into that. Did you find that to be the case? Well I had my first voiceover agent uh, that was also the agency that I had commercials mm-hmm. with so I started doing commercials when I was um, I guess about 21 yeah. or something Wow! and uh, so I had a couple of different commercial agents and then I made a, actually, you know what, um, I took some classes and I met my husband in one of them. Okay. We met in a voiceover class yeah. and uh, we actually got put in the booth to do a car commercial together as a married couple fighting.
2: <laughs> okay. Did it, did it, did it feel like a premonition? I mean, what, how, did that,
1: how did that work? I thought it was so cute. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. Now I have them all to myself. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess two it, kids. I, maybe I, so. I grew up. It can be yeah. uh, very. It it sure. It is. It, it does feels like feel... Hank Azaria
2: gets all the jobs, right? I mean, isn't that <laughs> how it goes?
1: Yeah. Um. I've only done voiceover for a few years here and there, yeah. and then as a commercial photographer, I've produced things that I've done all the voiceover for. Oh, so yeah. hiring yourself is really a great way to go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I, I love it. I've done some animations, some voice match kind of stuff. Um, and so for me, it was, um, I was giving my voiceover demo that I produced myself to my existing commercial agency. And by then I had booked a lot of commercials and, uh, and they were like, yeah, we like it. i am bring you on. Yeah. Um, I did the first Apple iPhoto commercial. Yeah, in wow. the first Apple iBook commercial, which was first before that. What is, um, what is, what is why do I day. not know what an
2: iBook is? What is that?
1: Oh, it's just a laptop, man. But oh, it was like the first laptop. laptop. He's, he's
2: iBook. I was like, is this, was this their answer to well, like the. I didn't, I didn't know what an
3: iBook was either. Yeah.
2: That's yeah.
1: what it was. That was the first one there that ever came iBooks. out. Yeah. It was a commercial with Milo Ventimiglia, who's now in This Is Us. Okay. And uh, he's in a middle seat in an airplane, and I'm his girlfriend, and he's, he's uh editing some stuff and then he takes the thing out says who let the dogs out (laughs) and then when he when Steve Jobs introduced the iPhoto program uh which was so impressive at the time my god uh he played the commercial that I did I was having a baby in that commercial and uh so anyway I had a nice little uh I really enjoy doing doing commercials, yeah. and I, I love I love voiceover. It's a good time. I'm actually about to do my first audiobook ever. Okay, and I'm so stoked. Yeah, it's a beautiful book.
2: Yeah, um, you know, Amy, you're talking about like you know having agents, like the, the things that you need to do to get work, right? In in the industry, certainly it, it does help to to book yourself. I can appreciate that. But but Flip, I mean, are are you working through an agent, or are you at this point just kind of like a homegrown operation? I mean, how does that work for you? You know, do, so.
3: Initially, I, I just did everything myself. And then um, and then I, I was introduced to a manager in New York. Here's the deal. I've never liked... I, I'm a really bitter, angry person, but in a really fun, lovable way.
2: I was about to say, you seem affable. Oh, I my mean, goodness. Yeah. I,
3: yeah I, so you hide it well. It, it's a nice combination. So um, I had seen <laughs> uh, the movie La Bamba. This goes back years ago, okay. right, with Richie Valens. Familiar. And, um, and so the manager in that movie... Became like a father figure, and, and like th- it was a really close personal relationship. Yeah. and I just thought, well, that's not that's not like that. Agents and managers are horrible, and all they are. They're you know they they, they only want to book people that are easy to book. They don't want to work for their money, and uh, and so I was really like I just thought that movie was was BS, right? right? So then I was introduced to this this manager in New York, and he became like a father figure. Okay, and he was everything the manager in La Bamba was, and I, I was I was so wrong. People like that existed, so he booked me all over the country and parts of the world, and uh, got a a, um, a pilot for FX, and uh, moving to theaters and all kinds of stuff like that. So that was amazing. And then, and then, sadly, he passed away uh, from cancer, and I never had the heart to replace him. Like I couldn't emotionally move someone else into what was his job.
2: Wow, wow. So, so I'm guessing like you're this, you're this, this is you've kind of taken on that role yourself then. I mean, the you yeah, said that it. you needed it.
3: I absolutely. I hate the business. I, I, I honestly, the business of show business is horrible. Hmm. I like being on stage. Sure. Like, And I never wanted to be on TV. I don't want to be in movies. I wanted to be a live stage performer. I wanted to travel around the country and do live shows for live audiences. Wow. That's all I've ever wanted to do. Yeah.
1: So you're managing yourself right yeah. now. I find that it's so tough to have any sort of negotiation. I, I wanna be the talent. I, I don't want to have you those can't negotiate for yourself at
3: all. You call up a club and you go, I'm eating because we're out to lunch. Huh, I'm eating, out to lunch. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but it's really hard to call up like a club owner and they go, I'm gonna make up the money, whatever it is. They go, we're gonna give you a hundred dollars for the week and you go, I'm really good, I want ten thousand and then they go, Okay, we just won't book you. Yeah. So but when for whatever reason, I don't know how or why, but when you have a manager or an agent call, they have more leverage, they have more negotiating ability. It's just you can't represent yourself in a way where you have any kind of negotiating kind of leverage.
2: You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Christian Mater. I'm talking with comic hypnotist Flip Orley and actor writer Amy Bressett McKeon. Amy, you said you're it's the part of the gig that you don't particularly like, but I mean, it sounds like just with all the irons you got in the fire, right? I mean, the. the that you kind of excel at sort of the entrepreneurship side of it. I mean, so what is it that makes it uncomfortable for you? you
1: Well, I don't negotiate for myself. Okay. Um, When I have worked as a photographer, I, I do, of course. Yeah. And, but as an actor, I've always had a manager and an agent. Sure. You know, there are times that maybe somebody asks you to do something and, you know, they're friends of yours and you can have those conversations and everything, but, you want you want somebody who's your yeah you've got to have somebody negotiate for you and 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 rep you otherwise
2: it it strikes me that you would still most people who are trying to break into the industry would still probably need to go to the coasts to find someone like that right i mean like are people springing up managers and agents and that kind of thing in, in louisiana now oh
1: yeah yeah so when i was in la uh I was first with William Morris. Yeah, okay. For Mega agency. A few years. Yeah, that yeah. was my first agency. It was yeah. kind of neat how that came about. It actually was from that tape. I okay. always tell oh. people that's the most important thing you can do. And we're talking about before YouTube. Yeah. So I had, I put my little VHS tape, on. It was they were purple, and I had like a little label, mm-hmm. and, uh, and that was my little tape that I just passed out to people. There was no YouTube, so. Um, that getting in the right hands eventually it got in the hands of somebody in the comedy department at William Morris in New York and they called me up and they're like hey we're, we're out in LA right now doing Greg the Bunny and uh, would you <laughs> write now yeah <laughs> and uh, we'd really like to meet you in chat yeah. and so I called my manager up and he called his guy at William Morris we all sat down had a chat and then I signed with them mm-hmm. and got started on you know the audition circuit mm-hmm. primarily of, with sketch comedy Mm-hmm. And then booked Cedric the Entertainer Presents, which was a pilot that yeah. went on to series for 22 episodes. And then mm-hmm. I ended up with a um, holding deal with 20th Century Fox for two years. And uh, so, I, yeah, I always had an, an agent. And then when I decided to move here, I actually actually got out of the business um, after my first child. And... I was just doing photography because for a while I was doing both and I was just doing photography when I moved here. I wasn't sure. I knew that there was a lot. There was a lot happening then. There was a lot. The the tax incentives were were already they were already happening. But when I was ready to get back in the business here, I called up uh, Dean West, a good friend of mine who lives in or- in New Orleans and He's an actor, and said, "Hey, man, I'm ready to get back in the business." We, you know, I have so many friends who I met in LA who are actually from Louisiana, sure. and then yeah. throughout Louisiana's uh, film industry growing, those friends now live in Louisiana. We all were able to move back, be near our family, raise kids near our family, and uh, but we all met there. We yeah. didn't know each other until then. So it's a flip. You said so, that
2: well. your, your passion here is. Being on stage, right? I feel like you know, a common path for comedians, right? is they want to break into film, they want to break into TV. You said you had a what a pilot on FX. I mean, why is it that you decided that you preferred to kind of stick with you know the live environment instead of the, especially now? It seems like there are opportunities abound in, in this area. If you, I think to get there into are. TV.
3: So my manager uh, was friends with a couple producers. Yeah. I don't know if they were friends, but they were friendly and they had a relationship. Yeah. And these producers in LA came saw my show and they liked it. And we came up with this. Um, with this uh, premise that it was gonna be a talk show, mm-hmm. right? So at the time, FX had a, a studio in New York that was like an apartment. Yeah. And they wanted, it, they called it the FX apartment, of all things. And uh, the, the, the deal was that we had to use every room in the apartment because yeah. that was they wanted to showcase the studio. So what I would do is we'd have a studio audience that would be almost like a comedy club. It was sort of cabaret style with people on, on, in tables and chairs. And I had pre-hypnotized, like, a number of the people in the audience, and then I would bring them so up to... you pre-hypnotize them? Yeah.
2: Oh, so this, is like a this separate, is good. That's a separate process than just hypnotizing somebody?
3: Well, you, you hypnotize them before you actually start the show, so uh, they're sort of already hypnotized. Okay. And then, like, I would come up, and I would, I would sort of, like, do the, the hypnosis fingers, Bryant. I'm kidding. But it like, ooh. Uh, that, that, that's the international... So you need
2: like a bell, right? I mean, isn't there usually some kind of a signal? Okay, yeah.
3: And then, banana, so, then, right? And so, yes, you can, <laughs> Afghanistan, banana stand. <laughs> so, uh, so then like someone would just like their eyes would flip up in their heads and they, they'd sort of slump over. And you go in a moment and ask you open your eyes. When your eyes come open, you're going to be like the Queen of England and I'm going to interview you on my talk show. Yeah. And so, and that's what we... I had the Queen of England and then uh, Prince Charles. And uh, I think at the time... Camilla, Kamala, Camilla—I don't know, whatever. The,
2: the vice president?
3: No, no, no. The, uh, Prince Charles's new wife, oh, not, not yes. Diana.
2: Camilla Parker
3: Bowles. I can't pronounce anybody's name. <laughs> Why don't you? Yeah. And so, uh, and so, like we did I that, and one. then we had uh, Claudia Schiffer come on, and then, and then I got uh, a, a couple of the people. They were toys in the toy box. So Barbie and Ken and yeah. GI Joe, and I mean, it was a really fun premise. But yeah. I, you know, I like being on stage. Yeah, I enough. like the live audience. So I like the spontaneity of not knowing what's going to happen next. Each show is unique and different. No two shows have been alike. Yeah. And um, it's just, it's my preferred performance preference because I like alliteration.
2: So, so Amy, I would imagine Spontaneity figures in pretty heavily into your unscripted show, right? Yes, You're hosting I'm a shaking. show now. I mean, is that I'm, a piece of that? you sounds oh. like you've got a lot of pieces in the industry. Or you've done a lot of different. Like how do you like doing an unscripted, hosted, you know, reality show kind of thing?
1: My Amazing Cheap Date is such a blast to do because I watch the people's dates and I, I make notes about their dates and I have sort of a script but so much of it is improv and I find that that's my favorite way to work too is is improv. I mean, that's where it lives. It's nice and fresh. I have a co-writer, Jeff D. is He's a comic yeah. and uh, we write together and sometimes... We don't go over our notes beforehand. We go over it when I'm in the chair because the chair when I'm shooting in the chair when I'm shooting because that first instinct is often so important to grab. You just asked me a question earlier and I didn't even I didn't answer it. Um. That's okay. Yeah. So I'm on your I'll recall. answer like, it. Thanks for coming back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you asked me about agents. Yeah. I have a Southeast agent. Okay. So my agent is an Atlanta agent, and there are agents in New Orleans, mm-hmm. Baton Rouge, um, all over hmm. in the Southeast. So I, you know, do a movie in Mississippi. Uh, it, there's, there's a lot going on. I mean. Productions go wherever the best tax incentives are. Sure. And so New Mexico is really hot right now. Yeah. Uh, Louisiana's been doing great. Atlanta is you Seems know, like every surpassing. AMC show is I don't shot know. In yeah. yeah. I don't know if Atlanta or New Orleans, out of Atlanta and New Orleans, I don't know who is the biggest right now in so, the industry, but it would be directly. Related to the tax incentives,
2: yeah. Tell tell it's me incredible. about. So you're working on an audiobook. I mean, is that something you would have booked through an agent, or is this more of a passion project for you?
1: Well, I've always thought that audiobooks were something that I would like to do, and that it would be really fun to do. But the thing about an audiobook is you're you're now committing to producing the entire book hmm. and doing all of the the main sound work for it. So uh, I just met this author, and uh, she's she's got this book called The Big Free. She's a retired urologist, and she went to Tulane Med School. And her first intern in, her first internship out of Tulane Med School was at New Orleans charity hospital, also called the Big Free. So it's 1984 and she's this, you know, innocent little lady who's in her white coat ready to do great and she is in the bloodiest ER in the country with, you know, drug dealers and crackheads and it's, so she's thrown into it all and it's it's funny and it's heartwarming and it all takes place in 1984 and, and I'm basically her. And so I get to do all the characters as well. Wow. So this is a great first project for me because I really connected with her. So I didn't have a, a rep for, for voiceover for um for audiobooks. Mm-hmm. Audiobooks are an industry that's getting really hot and there are a lot of, of people that are you don't have a rep for it. I'm going, there is a, there are some reps that have audiobook production companies and they have a pool of talent that they go with, um, but it's all, it's ACX, it's yeah. audiobook, and um, so hopefully this one that I do, hopefully I'll love, I'll, I'll love doing it, and I think I will, and then I, I'll be ready to do more of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: So, audio-wise, you apply your... Techniques, right? To like download <laughs> you explaining to me. I already quit smoking, so that's You like, no, smoked? I did, yeah. No way. I was in rock and roll bands for a long
3: time. You so, what do you so healthy. It came with the job. What do you play? I play guitar. Why well, have guitars? There's a difference.
2: <laughs> well, I think I've transitioned to that phase of my life. I also I have, have golf clubs. <laughs> I've, n-
3: I've never golfed, but I have golf clubs.
2: So, so are you like. So Selling them? I mean, like if I go and and I'd and be I, and I, you know, like, you, is there like an app where if I want, you know, I'm no, going to do just this? No, just a download.
3: It, like, you, will you download it to whatever uh, to whatever your um, preferred devices, and yep. then you would listen to it there? So, yeah, I mean, I, I should sell them. I want to sell them. Yeah. I really suck at marketing. <laughs> so, so, like for instance, I video record all my shows, right? Yeah. But I, but I don't sell many copies because I always forget to tell the audience that I video recorded the show. Yeah. And as it turns out, people buy less when they don't know it's available. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Dude, <laughs> It was just too dry. Um, <laughs> so, if, so if I wanted this, I mean, we would go to your website and it's like, yeah, but like my, I, I understand you said already that you were bad at marketing, but I'm imagining that somebody would say like, well, man, I want to quit smoking and this guy's got a solution for me. I mean, is it that you're you're actively, it, do I have to just sort of happen upon it because I'm interested in your, your comedy of, or do I happen upon it because I'm a smoker
3: and I'm desperate? And as of now, that? you just have to happen upon it due to dumb luck. Okay. Or because you heard out to lunch or because you were at a show. No, not even that because I don't even mention about the show. Um, so you have to, or you, if you're a psychic, then then you would know to look. So, sort of, stop, a smoking, sense, so yeah, sure. stop smoking, control weight, reduce stress, sleep yeah. better, relaxation. Here's a funny one. I, I wrote a script and then recorded a stop procrastinating audio, uh, but it took me 10 years to get it made. And it, no, it's not a joke. I started writing it, and then my wife and I went through, uh, my ex-wife, and I went through in vitro, and then we went through in vitro five more times. And then we ended up uh, going through a three-year divorce. So in the course of those ten years, I sort of put it on hold. And the only irony is the 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 only one that was really delayed in, in being made was the procrastination one, which I think is wildly funny and <laughs> because it's ironic.
2: Wow, there's a John Lennon right? Uh, life is what happens when you're busy making other plans. Um, mm-hmm. So, but it's <laughs> so <laughs>
3: yeah. I mean, you could ask me about it on FlipOrly.com, and actually, I really do stand behind them. They're very good. Um, I know I'm a little bit self-deprecating. Here's the deal. I want, I want money from selling stuff. Yeah. I just don't want to have to sell stuff.
2: <laughs> That's going to make it really
3: tricky for it, 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 it's um, a It's a thread in the needle kind of a thing.
2: <laughs> well, look, if you're working in a creative industry, reality is that everybody's hustling and threading the needle. and like, Clearly, you guys have got you know, lots of irons and plenty <laughs> of fires, and I commend you for, for keeping that all stoked
3: and burning. Oh, um, I also have a book. You also have a book. It's not an audiobook unless they decide to record it. Verbally. Hey, man, let's do it! But uh, so I, <laughs> we're all about connecting people here. Yeah, my, my, li- my <laughs> life is. Uh, oh, oh, you know what? I'm going to keep it uh, edit friendly. My life is an S show. Okay. Right. Yeah. And so things happen like almost all the time. So I, I wrote a book called Just Now, and it's just like a collection of 115, 120 stories of just weird stuff that happens to me. Yeah. And I'm now writing the sequel.
2: Yeah, well, you know, I like to think of Out to Lunch as something. It's just like a series of weekly weird things that happen <laughs> to me. Um, <laughs> um, Flip Orley and Amy Brassett-McKinn, thank you for joining me on the show today. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, my guests today on Out to Lunch have been comic hypnotist Flip Orley and actor and producer Amy Bressett mckinn We edited this conversation to fit into our time slot here on KRVS, and you can hear... Our unedited conversation and find out more about Flip and Amy by listening to the Out to Lunch Acadiana podcast. And you can find and subscribe to the podcast on your podcast app and on our website, It's Acadiana.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for It's Acadiana.com and KRVs 88.7 FN. The producer of this show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Today's show was engineered by Aaron Thomas. Our associate producer is Molly Richard. Our researcher is Leah Erdialis. I'm Christian Bader, I'm editor of The Current Lafayette's nonprofit news outlet. For stories deeper than the headlines, head over to TheCurrentLA.com and sign up for our newsletter. I'll see you here again next time for more business and conversation
0: on Out to Lunch Acadiana. Bye-bye. Out to Lunch Acadiana is recorded live over lunch at Tula Tacos and Amigos. Tula Tacos and Amigos offers street-style tacos, margaritas, and an open-air courtyard on Jefferson Street in the heart of downtown Lafayette. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com.